0: Well, hey, good morning. <laughs> Today is part four of our series called AHA, where we're looking at the story of the prodigal son and how you too can have an AHA experience in your life. For those of you that haven't been with us for the first couple of weeks, AHA basically is an acrostic that Kyle Eidelman came up with because he noticed that every single time that he heard a story, somebody's testimony of Jesus changing them in a major way, there was three common elements. So he came up with sort of this acrostic called Aha, uh-huh. it's going to be on the screens here for you. Basically, it's awakening honesty and action. He said every single story, whether it's somebody that was involved in sin and God brought them out of that, or, or maybe they were already a Christian and, you know, they were just struggling with something, that every single time there's this sudden awakening to what's going on in your life, and then there's brutal honesty about your situation, followed then by immediate action. You take a, a next step to get out of it then. And so, again, the story of the prodigal son is the one that we've been using sort of to illustrate what an aha experience is like. For those of you that aren't familiar with the story of the prodigal son, this was a story that Jesus was telling. And it's not a true story. Jesus sort of made this story up sort of to make a point. And really in this story, we are this son that Jesus is going to talk about. And basically, the story goes like this. There was this father, a very wealthy man, and he had two sons. And he provided for the sons. He loved the sons. He gave them everything that they could ever possibly want. But then one day, the youngest son comes up, and he says, Father, I want my inheritance, and I want it right now. Basically, this was like telling his dad that I wish you were dead. And so the father gives him the money, and Scripture tells us that the boy, he goes off. He leaves the father's home, and he's heading off for the distant country. And it's there in this distant country that he squanders all of his father's wealth in wild living. He blows everything. And ultimately a a famine comes upon the land. And he has nothing now. And he ends up, he's he's amongst the pigs. He's he's feeding the pigs. In fact, he starts to get jealous of them a little bit. And, And Bill talked about this last week. He has this sudden awakening. Look at Luke chapter 15, verse 17. It says, when he, meaning this prodigal son, when he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, but here I am dying of hunger. Now that phrase, when he came to his senses, that's his sudden awakening. He's awakened to what's going on in this situation, but here's what you need to understand this morning. An awakening by itself is not enough. Let me say that again. An awakening by itself is not enough. You can be awakened to your situation, but if you don't get brutally honest about it and then take action to get out of it, you're actually going to be more miserable than you were before because at least before you didn't even realize you were in sin. You didn't even realize you were doing the wrong thing. But now you know. But if you don't get really honest about where you're at and what it's going to take to, to get you to your next place and then take steps to actually do that, then you're going to be in real real trouble. And so that's why perhaps the the most uh, important words of this is he says, or it says this, that he said to himself. In other words, the the pigs weren't listening. Nobody was around. He's speaking to himself. And he starts to get honest about the situation that he's in. He's not just going to wallow along in self-pity. No, he gets honest about the situation. He's like, holy cow, I blew it. I I left my father who loves me and cares for me, and he provided so much for me. I thought that I knew better than him. I thought that I could provide a better life for myself than what he was providing for me. And then he continues on. He gets brutally honest by saying this in verses 18 and 19. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Treat me like one of your hired workers so again he, he gets this awakening that my my father's men have it better than i do i mean i, I wish i could even eat what these pigs are eating i'm just going to go home to my father and admit what's gone wrong but please don't miss this it's not enough just to have a sudden awakening where the alarms are going off. Bill talked about that last week, that the alarms are going off, and then you realize that, wow, I'm not in a place that I should be right now. It's not enough just simply to have that. You've got to get to this place where the prodigal son did, that he got to this step of brutal honesty about a situation. For some of you, it looks like this. You've noticed that going up and down stairs, you're getting overly winded, and there's that part of you that's going... I think I'm out of shape. <laughs> but then you never take it a step further and get brutally honest with yourself by stepping on a scale to see how bad it is. Or some of you, you, you have this sudden awakening that, you know what, my, my spouse and I, we, we're just simply roommates now. But you never get brutally honest then and have a tough conversation with them because you're like, uh, you know, even though we're just roommates, we're, we're not arguing or anything, and so I don't want to rock the boat. Or, you know, he he provides a lot for me, so I I'm I'm not gonna say anything. For some of you, it's a, a sin that you're involved in. But yet you haven't gotten brutally honest. You you keep lying to cover up your sin. For some of you, it's not even a sin. It's just a, a bad habit of some sort, or or something that's just not quite what God would have for you. Again, it's not sinful. But in some way, you're, you're justifying it. You're not really getting honest with yourself. There's all kinds of things in life that we do. That we have this awakening. The, the alarm goes off. But then we, we try to justify. Or we try to cover it up in some way. We deny what's really happening in the situation. If we're ever going to have an aha experience... We can't, can't do that. See, I think a lot of good potential aha stories stop with that first day. There's an awakening. There's an alarm. But yet brutal honesty and then immediate action never come. And so today what I want to talk to you about is, okay, how can you get brutally honest with yourself? What are the things that you need to be thinking about in order to become brutally honest. The first one is this, if you're taking notes. I must be brutally honest about my circumstances. Again, in verse 17, the prodigal son, not only is he awakened, but he takes it a step further. He doesn't just realize, oh, I'm living in a pig pen now. No, he gets brutally honest and he says, I'm in a pig pen, and this isn't a temporary situation. This isn't just me being a work in progress. This isn't, oh, my my friends are making me do it, or I'm just crashing on the couch for a little while. No, he realizes he is in really, really bad shape here. For crying out loud, man, I'm in a pigsty, and the pigs have it better than what I do. And finally, he's starting to get brutally honest about, I left my father. My father who loved me, my father who cared for me so much, I left him behind. I dishonored him, I disrespected him, thinking that I knew better myself. But yet, look where it's got me. That's the type of brutal honesty that we need to have in our lives. Let me ask you a question. How many of you know somebody that you would say, they're living in the distant country, they're, they're sort of living in the pig pen right now? You, you know some people like that? All of us do. And isn't it easy to spot that in other people's lives? (coughs) To see where they're at. Can somebody grab me a bottle of water, please? Isn't it? Yeah, they got it. Thanks. They got it. (coughs) Excuse me. I'm still (coughs) Overcoming my cold from a couple weeks ago. It's very, very easy to spot this in other people. But it's not so easy to spot it in our own lives, is it? Thanks, Steve. Give Steve a big hand. (laughs) But isn't that true? It's it's so easy to spot sin in other people's lives. It's, It's so easy to spot the bad things that are going on in other people's lives. But then when it comes to our own life, we got blinders on, we don't tend to see it. And so again, this, this awakening is, okay, the, the blinders come off, and you see it, but now you got to get brutally honest about, okay, what got me here? What's keeping me here? Why am I still here? What's it going to take to get me out of it? Because again, if you don't, you're just going to be miserable because you're just going to be so condemned and so convicted of your sin, but yet you're not actually doing anything about it. So you got to get honest about your circumstances. You got to get to the place where you realize I'm in the pig pen and I'm choosing to stay here. And it's only going to get worse if I continue to stay here. So we got to get to the place where whether again it's a sin or it's just a bad habit or or something that's going on that's just not quite God's will that you just feel so uncomfortable by it. That it's it's no longer like okay, I'm just going to I'm just going to continue to do it because the, the thought of change, that's, that makes me think even more uncomfortable thoughts. And it's going to be hard. There's going to be sacrifice if I try to change my life. You've got to get to the place where you're honest and get to saying, you know what? No, right here, right now, where I'm at, this is bad. This is the pig pen. This is dirty. This is uncomfortable. I don't want to stay here any longer. So you got to get honest about your circumstances. Number two, I must get brutally honest about what brought me To where I'm at. The prodigal son says, You know what? I'm going to go back to the Father and admit that I've sinned against God and I've sinned against you. Notice that there's no blame shifting here. There's no pretending that this was all an accident. There's no passing off responsibility to other people. There's no hiding, no lying, no denying. Just brutal honesty that I and I alone have sinned against you, God, and against the Father. There's no blaming. But yet our natural tendency is to blame, isn't it? In fact, I think we're just born with it. Take a look at this to see what I mean.
1: Caleb, did you get into the soda?
2: No. Carter, did
1: you get into the soda? No. (laughs) Damn, it's downstairs. Caleb was in it downstairs? No, I got there. No, you were up
2: here? Noel, who drew on Mommy's mirror? I don't know. Was it you?
1: No. Who was it? A sportsman. <laughs> A sportsman.
2: Batman did it.
1: A sportsman did it.
2: Who got the paint out? Brother did? How did he, How did he get it? He what?
1: He built the stairs.
2: He built the stairs? Yes,
1: daddy. With what? With blocks.
2: With blocks? Yes, he built
1: the stairs,
2: daddy. How come you didn't tell him no? Who's the big brother? You are. Who messed up the room?
1: Maybe a ghost
2: a ghost messed up your room?
1: I think so.
2: Could it be anybody else? Because ghosts that mess up rooms that don't make sense to me. Ghosts do
1: mess up. Somebody. Come over here, Sahara. Maybe
2: some are
1: evil and like to mess up rooms. So somebody thinks we got messed
2: up and we don't know. So somebody evil.
1: Yeah.
2: Messed up y'all room. Yes, an evil ghost. An evil ghost. Yeah. Okay. So do y'all have a clean ghost? Ghost that's gonna come and clean it up.
1: Oh no. I don't know. Okay. Then. All the time we pick up the room. Uh-huh. Then an evil ghost while we will sleep just sneaks into our house and just mess it up again. Because every time we go to sleep and we come back in the room, it's so messy. Even though we don't even touch the room. Me either.
2: Okay, so Sophie, you just painted your Barbie with nail polish, right? She told you to do it. So when Barbie was laying there, Barbie said, I'm going to go ahead and just lay here and you can play with me. And then all of a sudden, Barbie said, Okay, can you paint me with nail polish? And she
1: said this a hundred times and I said no.
2: So you were saying no, you shouldn't put ba- nail polish on Barbie. And she kept saying over and over again a hundred times, she kept saying, Please paint me with nail polish. She
1: said, a hundred
2: times. A hundred times, and then when she was uh, all painted blue, did you think that you should have stopped painting her with nail polish in your room on the carpet? I tried to get off, but
1: it was thinking I oh, no, I couldn't get it off.
2: So you tried to get it off, but you couldn't.
1: No, it do
2: I do. Now, where are you allowed to use your nail polish? <laughs> Outside. Outside, but. When you painted inside, why did you do that?
1: She told me
2: to. She told you to? Yes. Okay, Do you, does Barbie know that she could have ruined your carpet and your bed and all of your blankets? Yes,
1: she told me to. I said it was horrible, she didn't listen to me.
2: So you told her it was a horrible idea?
1: And, and she said a hundred times all the time. All right. well,
0: Mike You're not getting signal. Are we good? All right. So it's funny when kids do that, but how many of you know that we don't outgrow that? That we still tend to, to blame and, and shift blame to others we, we deny? Well, that one made me do it. He told me a hundred times peer pressure, my friends, you know, they, they forced me to do this, if my spouse wasn't this way, if my, you know, parents weren't that way, we, we, we tend to, to shift blame. Now, if you've been with us throughout the series and you're participating in our life groups, you know that we've been watching these stories of three different people that have made really, really bad decisions. One of them is this guy by the name of Tim. He's been embezzling money from his company, and this past week we saw that, you know, he finally got arrested, and he's been sent now to prison. I want to show you a clip from this week's uh, lesson that we're going to look at, and Tim is starting to get into this blame-shifting. Take a look at this.
1: Tim, I'm going to have to find a way to support three kids. because you had to have a new house. Tim, I never... Nothing was ever good enough for you, Emily. You always wanted more, bigger, fancier, and I'm the one that had to figure out how to pay for it. Well, I'm going to pay for it. I'm done. I want to go back to my cell. Start getting used to my new home.
0: So Tim, he, he's shifting the blame onto his spouse. And again, we, we tend to do the same thing. We're like, well, if my parents hadn't been so controlling when I was growing up, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing right now. Or if you know my husband, he wasn't so absent all the time, I wouldn't be involved in this activity. If my wife, if she wasn't nitpicking, 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 I wouldn't be doing What I'm doing right now. If if my friends hadn't convinced me to do that, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. Again, we, we shift the blame, but we can't do that. We have got to get brutally honest about why we're at where we're at. Without it, an aha is never going to come. Number three, then, I must get brutally honest about the consequences of my actions. In verse 19, the prodigal son, he he goes home and he says, you know what, I'm going to tell my father I'm no longer worthy to be called your son, so make me like one of your hired men. You see, he's finally starting to realize that his actions didn't just affect him, it affected his father, it affected his brother, it affected all of his family members. You see, when we sin or when we're doing something that we shouldn't be doing, it's never personal. It's never one of those things that, oh, it'll only end up hurting me. No, it ends up hurting everybody that's around you. Why? Because sin has consequences. And while, yes, God will forgive you of the consequences of your sin from an eternal perspective, there's still consequences right here and right now for your actions. And again, every single thing that you do, every action that you have, it has a ripple effect. Other people are going to be, impacted by it. and So you've got to get brutally honest about that. Again, it's not enough just to have an awakening. You have got to realize what are the, the consequences going to be if I continue down this road. And you've got to get to the place that you get, you know, saying to yourself, if I stay where I'm at, the consequences are actually going to be worse further down the road than they are if I face them today see the the prodigal son he knew he knew that when he went back and he faced his father his father could be very very offended he knew that his brother was going to be jealous of what he had done he knew that the people of the community that that they may point fingers at him but yet again he realized that Yes, there's going to be consequences, but those consequences today are not nearly as much as if I keep living in my sin. That it's going to be worse six months from now. It's going to be worse a year from now, five years from now, ten years from now. So today, I have got to make things right. and You've got to get to the same place in your life. Some of you and I have started to hear some of the stories that you've gotten this awakening through this AHA series, that God is shining the bright hot lights on you and you're feeling convicted about things in your life. Again, maybe it's sinful, maybe it's not sinful, but you're you're experiencing that. But now you've got to get brutally honest that there will be consequences if I don't do something about it, that I can't stay where I'm at. And So my question is, what do you need to be honest about today? What area of your life do you need to look in the mirror and say, God, I have sinned against you and you alone? That I'm responsible for this. I'm not going to blame people any longer. As we start to wrap up here this morning, I want you all to just close your eyes, and I'm going to ask you some questions. And again, what, what we need to realize, and, and I've heard some of you saying, you know, that, oh, I've been a Christian a long time. I don't really need this series. And the reason you think that you don't need the series is because maybe, you know, you're already a Christian or, or you're not blatantly living in this big, you know, type of sin. But there's every one of us have things that we need to be awakened to. And so I just want to ask some questions just to prompt your thinking here a little bit and see if God may speak to you. So, how about this? When was the last time you told your kids that you loved them? When was the last time that you thought about how someone else may feel about your actions? How long has it been since you went above and beyond to show your spouse how much you care? When was the last time you apologized first? How long has it been since you have done something anonymously for someone else? When was the last time you went out with friends and didn't have to have alcohol as part of quote unquote having a good time? When was the last time you gave more than a tithe in a given month in order to expand God's kingdom? When was the last time you went out and served and gave of your time? In the past week, if Jesus did an audit of how you spent every single dollar, would he be pleased? Who is someone you know who needs help financially that you could help today? As you reflect back on how you spent your time this past week, is every single thing that you did pleasing to Him? When was the last time you spent more time with your kids or your spouse than your coworkers and friends? How long has it been since you've given up an entire Saturday to go out and serve other people? When was the last time you lost track of time as you were serving other people? How long has it been since you turned off your cell phone you didn't care what time it was and went out on a date with your spouse? Who was the last person who really got your undivided attention? When was the last time that you controlled your temper instead of losing it? How long has it been since you were patient with a waiter or waitress at a busy restaurant? When was the last time that other people thought that you looked more like Jesus than yourself during a stressful situation? Again, all these questions are just prompts. Holy Spirit may be prompting you with something else today. Again, an aha experience doesn't always have to be something that's sinful. It can just be not quite living up to God's standard. Not loving God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Not loving others just as much as you love yourself.
2: So as we continue in
0: an attitude of prayer, Father, we do thank you for this day and we thank you that people are experiencing aha moments in our midst. and Even now, today, Lord, as I went through some of those questions, some people are having an awakening. That something just isn't quite right, that the alarm is going off, but Father, help them not to stay there in that, to just wallow in that. Help them to get brutally honest about their situation and admit that if I stay where I'm at, this isn't going to be a good thing. And so, Lord, we're, we're going to talk about immediate action next week, but I pray that even now, if an awakening is coming in and, and, and people are getting honest about their situation, that, Lord, even now you would be giving them their next step and that they wouldn't wait to hear a message next week, but they would start to take that, that next step right here and right now. Jesus, we want to look more and more and more like you each and every moment of each and every day. And so literally in our our lifetimes we're going to have thousands and thousands of little aha moments. Some are going to be bigger than others, but there's all these little aha moments that I'm not quite where Jesus would have me. That he wants me to be holy just as he is holy. And so Father, I pray that you would just continue to to shape us and mold us into your image and into your likeness. Awaken us. Awaken us, God. Help us to get honest. Help us to take that immediate next step so that we can glorify you in everything that we think, everything that we say, everything that we do. Father, we do it all for you and for your son, Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray.